What's up, people? It's your boy. It's Friday. And we're here. We are back in the building now. Hope you guys had a wonderful week. Got to tell you, we surely did. But we're going to get all into it. Because if you have stepped it to the right place, so sit back. Relax, roll one, drink one, do whatever you need to do. What's up, people? It is Friday, October the 16th, and uh, yeah, man, we're we're live. It's uh, been a long time coming. <laughs> And uh, a short explosion of madness in a very, very just like time capsule. But we're happy you're here. Of course, I am your host from the illustrious family known as Horror Movies Zunk, Cut, Travis Brown. Um, some of you may now also know me as the trainer for one new Mansa, Joaquin Bucky. Uh, Buckley had a very, very good month of October, people. And uh, let me just say, we here at Horror Movies Uncut, Submissions and Slashers, Valkyrie Fitness, and all the enterprises that I have involved, we're very proud of this here, man. This guy's put in the hard work. He's going about it the right way. The humility is there. And like I said, man, we can't be more than proud of this young man. But we're going to get it all on that. We're going to be talking about some other things on this Friday episode. Yeah, just taking it back to what it used to be, right? <laughs> Friday episode number 20 of the Submissions and Slashers podcast. If you guys haven't had a chance to, make sure you go over and visit our new website, the new Horror Movies Uncut website launched two weeks ago. And uh, it's up, it's rolling. Uh, I kind of like the look of it, man. It's simple, very minimal. Kind of has that uh, collider feel to it, that Daily Dead feel to it, which is just exactly how I want it to be. Try to be this cut throat and dry with everything that I do straight to the point some people rubs them the wrong way but I just I'm a person who has so much chaos going around in his life all the time that I find pockets of efficiency and I jump inside of those lanes and I move and that's also what I teach my fighters my athletes and everyone else around so, as I mentioned earlier, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened 
uh, last Saturday, Joaquin's fight, the kick, as it's now known. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some initial reactions to the Kraft Legacy trailer that just dropped this past week. The official Halloween countdown is still going on, folks. We on 15 days and counting. You know what I'm saying? You guys might have heard a couple little extra things in the beginning of the show tonight, and you're going to be hearing some more of that stuff. Because as we continue to get closer and closer to our special edition episode of the Submissions and Slashers podcast live from the Georgian Hotel in Santa Monica, California. I'm going to be making sure you guys are aware of what some of my all-time favorite horror movies are. It's that time of the year when people are constantly always asking. So Travis, like, I know you get into the horror movie thing, right? What are some of your favorite horror movies? What, what should we be looking for? You know? Um, yeah, I just tell people, man, and I got a website, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've been reviewing horror movies for like 20 years now, bro. So, um, just Pete, hop on some websites, some blogs. I put myself out there just like I'm doing right now. Episode number 20. Not only are we going to be talking about the Halloween countdown, we got a Bellator recap, uh, even playing as we speak on CBS Sports right now uh, is the re- the, repl- uh, the replay, sorry, of the Bellator card. Um, we, we see the very first ever submission by Cyborg. So can't wait to talk about that a little bit later. Also, we'll be talking about Lovecraft Country a little bit more. Reviews on the films, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, an amazing feature called Ropes. That premiered at Grimfest this past week. Don't Look Back, which is a movie that you can now see on demand. Um, and we'll be talking about the last two Welcome to Boom House films, which were Nocturne and Evil Eye. And then we'll be jumping into that UFC card that's going on tomorrow between the Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega. couple other stories to get your way, to get you going. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a two hour. It's going to depend on how much I'm rambling (laughs) at the very beginning of this. Um, But what we're going to do is, of course, bring you guys some music. Now, we want to make sure we played some stuff from Vasm again, because we really didn't get a chance to really dive into that concept album that they're doing, which is this concept album called Rated V, and it's a Halloween album. It's pretty good. Not only is it really displaying their range and all the genres of music that they do, but it also provides kind of like a background or a backdrop, if you may, for the season of Halloween as they've created songs that they feel you can do rituals and stuff to. That's all on you, bro. <laughs> That's all on you. <laughs> Don't be calling me over to your crib. Messing with some check-ins. <laughs> if you want to burn some things, if you want to poke some things with some pins, some needles, and all that, it's all on you, dog. No holla at me. But I play your music. Uh, so we're going to jump into some of those tracks 
again. And then uh, we got some new music for you guys, too, from this EDM group called Carver. They released a new track called Erase Me. We got that for you. It's featuring Goo Monday, and we can't wait to play it for you. We're going to be jumping into that here shortly. Uh, But, you know, one of the things that I want to jump into as we start to look around the Halloween season and people are worrying, what are they going to be able to do with their holiday, their beloved Halloween with their costume parties and, you know, and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people are going to still have parties and invite people over and they're going to try to social distance these parties as best as they can. And look, man, I feel you guys. I understand what you're trying to do. We're just trying to find some way to get back to normalcy, right? Whatever the hell that is. But just remember, there's still people dying. There's still numbers that are going up. There is still a motherfucking pandemic going on, people. So just be smart. Um, Before we jump into the song Erase Me by Carver, I want to give a big shout out to everybody just that just got married. The last couple of weeks, especially this past weekend, all over the place, social media, I was seeing friends and family members either attending weddings or getting married themselves. I myself had a couple of brides that I trained that just recently got married in the past couple of weekends. So I want to give everybody a big shout out as we roll into the middle of October, getting closer and closer to Sam Hain. And say bless be, man. And I'm happy you guys are all together and joining your unions. And I wish you all the bless. But I will say, let's not forget, even during those times, when we want our family together, we want our, our relatives, our close friends, we also have to be careful. Because unfortunately, these are some of the main things that are spiking the numbers back up right now. So I love all you guys. I'm so happy you guys are unified. Um, I'm really, really waiting for the day for all this stuff to calm down so you all can go have the weddings you want and deserve. But for right now, we just got to remember, man, it's still a motherfucking pandemic going. So anyway, Carver is this dark synth pop solo group project of Christian Carver. He's mostly known as the live drummer for the Metropolitan recording artist, Bella Morte. Uh, sorry, I just totally lost. Yeah. Panic Lift, oh yeah. And Boston-based electronic alternative band, Man One Ken. So Carver blends melancholy but energetic synthesizers with a shade of industrial hard-hitting drums, always aiming to bridge opposing elements of brightly colored keyboards and heavy dance-invoking bass lines. So we got Carver dropping a new track for you guys called Erase Me, October 10th. So this is fresh, people. We got it for you here. And oh, peep game. 
We're starting to make things a little bit better around here on Submissions and Slashers. So I apologize about some of my earlier stumbling here in the show, but I'm trying to get used to some changes that I'm doing to make this show sound better. But one of the changes that I'm doing is making sure that you guys get a chance to hear these songs the way that they're supposed to be. So here we go. Erase Me by Carver. We'll be right back talking about the kick opportunities of greatness on the Submissions and Slashes podcast.
Yeah. So Carver erased me with that track, killing it. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but please don't ever hesitate to come over to any of the outlets for horror movies uncut or submissions and slashers and let us know what you think about the shows, about the episodes, about the music, about the guests and everything we have involved, man. We really appreciate you guys checking us out. And we're super happy now that we made the switch over to Anchor FM. And we're looking forward to what we're able to develop from that platform. Speaking of platforms, man, uh, dude, we got so much to talk about. But I cannot even attempt to get into what happened to my boy in the past week without making sure we pay mine to the fact that there is an amazing boxing match going on tomorrow. We got Vasily Lomachenko versus Mr. Teofimo Lopez Jr. And it's for Lomachenko's WBO and WBA lightweight titles. Lopez's IBF lightweight title. And that's going on tomorrow on ESPN, title box, 7.30 p.m. I'm telling you, this is a pay-per-view that we get to watch on ESPN. It's fantastic. There's going to be some great UFC fights going on in this Korean zombie card with Brian Otega. But the ability to see these two guys square it up. So I was talking to a buddy at the gym, and he was even saying right off the bat, this is trilogy written all over it. I don't know. Um, With, you know, Lomachenko holding so much more. And I feel like this is his fight. I feel like if he wins this fight convincingly the first time, we won't see this anymore. But if Lopez wins, which he's more than capable of doing, you know this is going to get ran back. And then, yeah, the potential of a trilogy could come from there. Right now, don't really see it too much. There's a lot of great fights on the way, though. We got Gervonta Davis mixing up with Santa Cruz coming up. Um, we don't know what's going on with that exhibition with Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., but supposedly November 28th, um, Anthony Joshua is in December booking dates. And then we got that December Errol Spence Jr. and Danny Garcia. We'll just have to see how all that stuff plays out schedule-wise, you know, as long as there's no problems, no massive outbreaks or anything, or numbers going up too crazy, we should be good. But really good fights all over the place. And we got some top-ranked weigh-ins right now as we speak on TV, man. Always something to watch in the world of combat sports, man. And uh, I'm so happy that I'm a part of it 
And I'm a part of it with this amazing young man and the journey that he is now embarking on that we started years ago and that he started many years ago. I tell people all the time, my interactions, my interactions with Joaquin always started from just casually being cool with each other at the gym. Once I was able to start talking to him after fights or while he was cornering some other people's like E, Max or Ryan for a fight, it allowed me to get a chance to talk to him a little bit more on a personal level. And all physical gifts and talents aside, I knew right off the bat, I was like, man, this guy's got to be known. People need to know who this guy is, man. He's a good dude. And he's silly. I know he's got some people that don't like him too much. You know me. I never have any problems with that. <laughs> I will always root for villainy. Anytime again, grab it, squeeze it, hold it. But in all honesty, one of the best things that has happened since this kick last week is just how proud everyone is of him because they know how hard he works. I mean, the boy has been posting videos on Facebook of himself working out by himself or with just his one or two partners in the parks, in the streets, and everywhere. You know how many times I've called Joaquin and been like, man, if you don't stop fighting in the middle of Del Mar, dude, and call the cops on y'all, we don't have bail money like that. You know, they got their shirts off. They out there just banging. That's my people, man. And I know why they're doing it, because they were staying busy, staying hungry. Just reminding everybody. Yes, having a gym is very important. Yes, having a coach is very important. And yes, having a team is very important. But the most important thing in the fighter is themselves, their heart, their confidence. When they're able to add and bring those all together, then whatever other tools they have, we get an opportunity to see greatness. And millions and millions and millions of people got an opportunity to see greatness. I wish I was there. You know, I didn't hear from him until like super early in the morning. I jumped up and down, man. I, I had a weird Saturday. No reason to get into any of that. But I was sitting right in front of my television by my motherfucking self. And the first round, 
I loved it, man. I was worried about why he had the knee sleeve on. You know, as his trainer, his body is the main thing that I care about. I know what skills he has. <laughs> I enjoy watching the kid fight. But my n- number one job is to make sure his body's able to do all these things. So the first couple seconds of the fight, I'm focused on this knee, saying what's up with that. But he's moving fine, and, you know, then it kind of goes more into the fight stuff where it's like, man, he, I hope he's moving his head a little bit more. Might have got a clock there. And do give Impa credit. Guy is big. He's moving pretty decent himself. Seemed like he was very hook heavy. And dude, you could tell he's a killer. And he landed a lot of great shots on Buck very early in the fight. But uh, Buck mixed it up. Got that head moving. Man, that takedown, so great. And I got about two to three text messages right then and there. They're like, oh, man, he got this first round. No problem. I'm like, yeah, man, I see you. I feel you. So second round starts, and by then, a couple of the leg kicks have happened. A couple moments have happened in Joaquin's favor. After the takedown, the ground and pound with the elbows looked great. And I'm just sitting there the whole entire time, like, and I'm like, yes, dude, show these cats that you are well-rounded everywhere. You work hard everywhere. Because they're still going to say, but somewhere. So once that round started and that kick landed, I mean, I didn't think he was going to do that, but I was so happy he did because even if he would have missed or say like hit the shoulder or Impa would have got his hand up and blocked it, which is what he probably could have done, it still would have been a hell of an impact with how hard Joaquin kicks. So it would have been some problems. Little wrist broke, something like that. I don't know. But when you see the confidence, the wherewithal to say, you know what? I don't give a shit, man. I'm going to do it. And I love all the interviews that he's been doing so far that I've watched that he just kept telling everybody. He's like, he's like, why not? I mean, I think that's something that we preach to each other every single day. We worked out for a little bit in the gym today, talked about some things we need to look forward to in this upcoming fight against Jordan Wright. It's another quick turnaround. But he's 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 fine. Body looks great. So let's go. That's how we do it. So yeah, so we'll be out in Vegas 
on the 21st UFC 255. Life-changing. So many wild stories, so many phone calls. Oh, here we go. Lomachenko coming out. Lopez coming out. Yep. Low weigh-in time. Yeah, watching it live, folks. We're Friday night, Central Standard Time, about 11.20. Giving you the lowdown. So, yeah, we're coming up into the first half an hour of the Submissions and Slashers podcast. We got a couple other things that we want to chit-chat with you guys about Got the official countdown going on to Halloween, folks. 15 days and counting. And Joaquin Buckley just did a kick that landed around the world, man. And it's changing his life. It is. Uh, but it's not changing his life to a point where it's time for him to start to lose focus on where he is. Because what people have to remember in the job, and the career he has chosen and the coaches that he's chosen to surround him with, from here on out, it's all about progression from that point. And we're excited. We want Ninja Go Shoe shit all goddamn day. So now that we know the ability, the confidence, and the athleticism is all coming together. We really get to have some fun. And that's the plan. But, I mean, we're right back to work. Worked out today, and uh, we'll keep it going from there, man. So... We'll see you guys back on TV pretty soon. All right. So, like I said, uh, a couple more things we wanted to talk about. I think we'll jump into a little bit of that Vasm Rated V music so you guys can get your little candles out, get yourselves ready. Uh, when we come back, we'll be doing an, an initial reaction to the Craft Legacy trailer. We'll also be talking about um, Bellator a little bit. Happened in the main card, uh, the co-main co event and the main event. Chit-chat a little bit about what's been going on with Lovecraft Country. And then we'll be jumping about with those films and chit-chatting a little bit on some reviews on what you guys should be expecting in the next couple of weeks. Because a lot of these films are getting purchased and getting bought. So, we will be back, folks. BBBBB. <laughs> Submissions and slashers. Don't go nowhere. We'll be back to talk about Bellator, Lovecraft Country, and the Craft Legacy.
All right. So um, how'd you guys like that? <laughs> that was The Summoner, which is off of that special Halloween edition, I guess, if you may, or Halloween project from Vasm. And last week we played a little bit of their music and they have their own little genre, but it's so sweet to see them do something like this, where not only are they just going to give you music to just kind of sit back and play and relax and enjoy during the Halloween time frame, but they give you some music that you could just put on and scare the shit out of who's ever in your place right that moment. <laughs> oh, man. So... Uh, if you've turned this off by now, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. But uh, if you've been able to stick with us the whole time, appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, once again, that was Vasm, and that song was called The Summoner. We got another one that we're going to play from those guys called Phantoms later. So you'll hear that as well. Okay, so couple things we want to talk about. The Craft Legacy trailer. All right. So I have to show my age. I'm old as fuck. I actually saw the original Craft. And not only did I see the original Craft, I was not too much younger than my son when I saw the original Craft. Faruza Balk and the young ladies in that film... Nev Campbell, um, was the African-American ladies chick. Uh, th that was from the Dave Chappelle movie about weed. I can't remember what her name is. She had the super curly hair. She's been some other things too. It, it was a great film up to a point. I always like to say that now. It's for sure got cult iconic status. I mean, as you can see, here we are so many years later with a uh, film tied into the original. I will say that I'm very happy that it's not a remake. Uh, it kind of looks like a remake, but you can for sure tell that it's got its own little pizzazz to it. I enjoyed the visual effects that I witnessed so far in the trailer of the craft legacy. So it leads me to believe that even though we for sure know legions of young ladies will be flocking to their virtual theaters to see this, I'm going to be watching this too. And so are all of you that are my age. <laughs> and one of the main reasons is because we're going to be trying to see what are they going to tie in from the first film, right? I don't know. That Summoner song has got me like running around my place right now trying to figure out if there's somebody here or not. I don't think so. But anyway, tis the season, right? To be scared. Halloween. Anyway, we're going to see probably some over-the-top, too much 
antics with these young ladies in the film. Um, I just personally hope that if they do decide to go to this route, the empowerment that they show the women is something that's relatable across the board to all young women, regardless of their gender preference, how they identify themselves, or how they choose to live their life. There still seems to be this constant running back to a brattiness that I feels like will just not allow a movie like this to grow. These things become so easy to be one shots that I don't think sometimes the studios realize that you might as well not even put it out in the first place. I feel like this one can have some legs. I didn't hate the trailer. I think you just have to be in a mindset where you have to remember what audience they're appealing to. But I got a feeling with the amazing amount of talented writers and filmmakers out right now that even the people behind the craft legacy, they'll be able to not necessarily add something new to the table, but remind people that we are living in a different time frame, So that this room or this movie can have its own room to live in. And it doesn't have to just be attached to the first film. So I don't know, on demand here and in uh, Canada, right at midnight on October 28th. So um, I personally haven't gotten anything to get an early glimpse of it. I'm not saying that I'm going to be upset if I don't get a chance to see it early. But what I do know is, regardless, I'll be checking it out whenever it hits. All right, so who saw that Bella Carter last night? Who saw that Bella Carter there last night? Yes, so there was a nice little um, MMA card going on on CBS Sports. <laughs> Got to remind people of that. And um, it's, it was the Bella Carter. Uh, Bella, I'm saying this over and over. You have to apologize. Hold on. Hold on one second. Let me change this microphone setting. 
All right, that's a little bit better. All right, so there was a Bellator card going on last night. <laughs> and it was great because it had the main event featuring the Mr. Wonderful himself, Phil, Dale, Phil, Phil Davis. He was fighting Linton Vassal. So many L's in this. And then we had Arlene Benclaw fighting against one and only Chris Cyborg Santos. The great thing about the fight with Cyborg is we got to see her very first professional submission. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a dumbass when I'm saying this, but I probably will, but I'm going to go for it anyway. I kind of equate it to when Michael Jordan started shooting more jumpers than dunking on people. And what I mean by that is ever so often you actually get a chance to see evolution. You actually get a chance to see somebody transform. You get to see them go from being one particular type of fighter or athlete and being so great and so unstoppable and so dominant to then having to start to change up some skill sets, think a little bit differently about how they approach certain opponents. There were times where some of the punches that Chris landed on that fight last night, man, she would have took Arlene out. And Arlene's never been a slouch, man. I remember interviewing her so many years ago. Blessed to interview her. Blessed to interview Chris. Talk to her so many years ago in those Invicta days. But when I got a chance to talk to Arlene, I was super excited when she did get the call up to go to Bellator because at that time, even the mentioning of featherweight or women's featherweight MMA, there was no other name to discuss other than Cyborg. So we were constantly looking for contenders, looking for women who were be ready to not only step up to Cyborg, because she's had plenty of women step up to her, but maybe bring some skill sets that can cause some, some trouble. Arlene's got great boxing. And it's so crazy how fast we can forget that Cyborg used to be a jiu-jitsu champion, world pre or Grand Prix champion over and over again. I think she's got like 10 of them, something like that from back in the day. So she's very, very, very comfortable on the ground. So, main event, Linton Vassal, Phil Davis. Phil Davis with a head kick? Take him out, dog. A lot of back and forth between the fight, man. And both these guys are legit. Not the first time they ever 
matched up. I believe they were rolling against each other in that tournament. Bear with me one second. So I feel like this was the second fight. Yeah, November 18th. 2018. That was such a great fight. Um, so, Bellator, to, you know, if they're going to have the ladies headline the card, then to to have someone like Cyborg, and I'm sorry, I was bringing up the Phil Davis fight because they they kept showing replays of it after the um the fight between the girls. Uh, it was I don't know I don't know why they were doing. Something must have been brought up on the card. I mean, I didn't have a chance to listen. The place that I was at, uh, the fight was just on in the background, uh, and they didn't have the sound on, so I didn't have a chance to n- listen of why they went to that fight. So if somebody has a chance to let me know. Um, but it just kind of shows that like Scott Coker and these guys are still willing to have some ladies headline a fight. And when you see someone like Cyborg, man, it's so amazing that she can do something like pull off a submission yet still be somewhat dominant on the feet. Like, I mean, she was tagging Arlene all the time. And I just said the number one difference was Arlene has a strong chin, but I feel like a couple years ago, some of those punches would have took her down. But Cyborg, able to pull it off, 23 and two, and uh, yeah, who knows what's next for her? Are we going to get that Julia Budd matchup? Kat Zingano. We'll have to see. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Kat Zingano. Uh, Leandro Higa defeated Ricky Bendejas. Steve Mowry defeated Sean Teed. The homie side of Wad with a uh, no contest. It ended with a goring strike, unfortunately, uh, with Mandel Nalo and Andrew Capel defeated uh, Joseph Creer second round TKO stoppage. So that was your main event results from that Bellator card, which was headlined by uh, Cyborg and Arlene Binklau. Someone can let me know what the hell they were showing that Phil Davis Linton vassal fight uh i would appreciate it because i had no idea i was just like okay bellator 249 is this what we're doing now anyway so we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about some lovecraft country not only we're gonna talk about some lovecraft country but we're gonna go ahead and make sure we play a little bit more for that baz and we got that phantoms that we're gonna come into you were listening to the submissions and slashes and podcasts. And oh, yes, I do have another 
Halloween story to tell you guys another embarrassing Halloween story on the Submissions and Slashers podcast. We'll be right back.
<clears throat> All right, folks. That was Phantoms, which is off of that EP, Planet V, from Vasm. It's a Halloween-induced EP that I think you guys will really get a kick out of. Not only is it great songs, but you got these nice little backdrops that you could just play for hours and summon up whatever you so please. All right. So it's Friday, October 16th, about 10 minutes away from midnight. Getting a little bit closer and closer to wrapping up this episode. We wanted to touch base with our lovely friends over in HBO and talk about Lovecraft Country. Been giving you guys some insights and thoughts and some recaps on what's been going on recently. Um, if you had a chance to last or watch last week's episode, which is Rewind 1921, it involves our crew rolling back to Tulsa. And of course, once they get there, one of the main reasons is they're trying to save D. So time machines are built, portals are created, people are stepping through. And of course, Montrose is having all types of issues because this is when we get to see even more about his background and kind of some of his first experiences of being gay. The frightening life of a young man of color it really cannot be described. It's lived. But to add in what may go through the minds of young men or even young women, you know, if they're in love or they have a connection with someone of the same gender, they're already being told they can't be who they want to be because of their color of their skin. And now even the people who have the same color may be telling them they can't be with each other. There's secrecy. There's so much that happens. And we, we find out that this is so involved in Montrose's past. Atticus is out doing his thing. as they're searching for some uh, the book that's going to be able to help bring Dee back from the spell that's been cast on her from the police officers. The unfortunate thing about going into one's past where you get to see your own upbringing and you know what's coming up next is we always run into that butterfly effect thing, you know, where it's like, hey, you know, you can't interact with anything, no matter, even though you know what's about to happen. You know that kid's about to get his ass whooped. You can't do it. You know that woman's about to die. You can't do it. Because any changing of the course, any alteration, any footprint that is pushed in one direction 
even by the smallest amount of detail, could completely change the entire footnote of history and where we are up to this point. So that's another thing that the characters have to deal with in the episode, which ended up being a very, you know, enlightening episode. Um, Once you got to kind of see where all of our characters come from with Montrose's dad and stuff like that, it really starts to resonate of why they are all so fucked up in their own ways, right? Coming back from the future is never a good idea because you already know what happened. But, you know, sometimes people feel like they need to go change stuff. So, we're left with a lot of questions once again. And I'm sure this upcoming Sunday, as the season and the show starts to wind down, uh, we might be getting hit with the smorgasbord of sci-fi, HP, bring it to the future take it through a portal type of things. So grab your donuts and be ready. All right. So we got some movie reviews coming up. We're going to try to make them brief. We're going to try to make them quick. Once we get finished with that, we're going to give you a little quick main card preview of the UFC's Korean zombie versus Brian Ortega main card event. Got a little bit of uh, shaving going on on B or on T on Triangle T's hair, uh, to and I believe he's uh, donating it. And then um, you know talk about a couple other things for you. But what we wanted to do is we want to give a little bit more love to Carver and drop that track that we played earlier, and then we'll come up and wrap up the show talking about all those things. From before. So once again, this is Erase Me. And this is from Christian Carver. You can go over to their Bandcamp page. It is Carver, C A R V R dot bandcamp.com. You can download this song right now. They got a new video up on YouTube for you to check out too, featuring Goo Monday. We'll be back to wrap it up on the Submissions and Slashers podcast.
All right, folks. We are talking about this UFC card as we stroll on. We got the Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. That is your main event for this UFC Fight Night card. So, yeah, don't forget, people, there's still some folks out in Abu Dhabi. Before the UFC makes their way to Vegas to kick into their November cards, there's a little bit of business that's still left on Fight Island. Not a bad card, to be honest with you. In the main event, we got a 145 battle. T-City versus the Korean Zombie. Um, it's always fun to watch the Korean Zombie fight. See that head down, moving forward, amazing kicks to the body and the legs. The dude is a monster. Everyone knows what T-City's capable of, but I got a feeling this fight might favor the Zombie. Two in a row is what he's coming off of and not looking like time is getting the best of him by any means. T-City coming off of a loss, title contention, still one of the most dangerous men on the mat in the UFC but continues to evolve and continues to just be a consummate professional. So while I feel this might end up being a bloody grindy fight, I'm seeing Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, getting his hand raised at the end of that fight. Co-main events got some ladies. 125 fight. Uh, Caitlin Chagutigan stepping in for Jessica Evil Eye. Can't remember if she had some COVID issues or what was going on and why she wasn't able to make the fight. Uh, but she's fighting the ever-dangerous Jessica Andrade, who I feel like is one of the few women in the UFC that could hold belts in at least three categories. So you got Amanda. I mean, well, I'll take that back. Outside of Amanda in three categories. I don't know if Valentina can make 145. I don't know if she would want to make 145. I was just, she walks around so close to that anyway that I wonder, I have to check her records even back in her kickboxing and see what were some of her heaviest fights. I'd be curious because the thing that I like about Jessica is I feel like she has the ability to be a title contender at 115, 125. And if she wants to get the size back on her, even though she always had a pure height 
disadvantage at the division 135. While you got women like Holly and Jermaine in 135, who I still think would give her problems. I think if she made herself back up to a 135 fighter, Jessica would still be in the top 10. Hands down. So it's not too many fighters, period, that are able to do that. So I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, Valentina can for sure fight in 135 and do damage too, but I don't know about 145. So I don't know. We'll move on from that. But this matchup here, big, big kudos to Caitlin. She's been looking the part as of late. She is a top five in the 125. She's got a strong team around her. She was able to pull off uh, a win against Little Valentino that a lot of people were expecting her to be able to win. So, hey, keep the hand rolling. Get after it. Losing to Rose in a split decision and then losing to the eventual champion. It's not been a, how you say, perfect journey recently for one Jessica Andrade. But we all know what this woman is capable of. We know how dangerous she is in every single aspect of MMA. So Caitlin's going to have her hands full. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of great moments for Caitlin in this fight because she has evolved probably more than most of the fighters on either side. And that's also including in Bellator in regards to some of their up, upcoming fighters. And that's why I was giving some love to the people that she's in camp with and surrounds with because it always seems like not only is she just well prepared, but she's she's playing chess. She's ready to roll. She knows what that next step is going to be. She knows what you're going to do next. It's just being able to make sure she can executed herself and get it done. She was able to in her last fight. So, see if she'll be able to do it again. Thing is, is Jessica's just a different monster, man. Her pressure is no joke. So, gun in the head. I'm taking Jessica Andrade all day in this fight. Um... I think it just will end up being like a decision, like a unanimous decision. I don't think she'll knock her out. She'll get her up against the cage, though. 
That's for sure. I feel like Caitlyn's going to have some flashes in the fight also. Right? All right, so that's your main and your co-main event. You got Modestas, Bukakos, Jimmy Crute, Claudio Silva, James Krause fighting on the main card, Thomas Almeida, welcome back, my dude, fighting against Jonathan Martinez. And then on the prelims, trying to think if there's anybody right off the bat. Oh, looks like you got a bunch of people that are trying to make themselves known in the sport. But you got Gillian Robinson, always a fan of her. So it'll end up being a good night of fights. Um, the matchmakers have been doing some amazing jobs as of recent. So expect a good night of uh, fights on, uh, is this going to be on ESPN Plus? Yep, on ESPN Plus. It's going to be a nice little counterpart to the uh, Lomachenko-Lopez fight. For the casual fans of boxing that are more of the diehard MMAs, it's possible that you may be in places where both of these events are going on at the same damn time. And I know I will be. Holla. <laughs> Get at me. <laughs> right? All right. So we need to wrap up this. Shit. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick little break. Uh, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk real quick about the Wolf of Snow Hollow. This movie ropes, don't look back. And then the latest two features from the Welcome to Bloom house. And then I'm going to give you guys a little uh, funny Halloween story before we make our way out of the door. So we appreciate you guys, all you have been doing. Once again, we've been playing some music from Vasm. We've been playing some music from Carver. We are now on Anchor FM. If you didn't know, we have also landed on a new website, humancut.com, H-M-U-N-C-U-T.com. That's where the news hits. That's where these pop up every once in a while. Also, if I remember to do it, but I don't know. I'm taking a bathroom break. So you guys do some more chanting with Vasm and the summoner.
All right. Hey, big shout out to William, all the people over at New Age Dark shooting this music to us all the time. Once again, we played some Carver earlier for you guys. That is the newest of the new. They got a new single out called Erase Me. We want you guys to go over to their band camp page. Don't forget Carver is spelled C-A-R-V-R with a dot right behind that. Make sure you check them out. That song, really, really enjoyed it. Play it, listen to it. Let them know that you heard it first on the Submissions and Slashers podcast. All right, folks. So before we get out of here, we want to talk about a couple of things. Some of the films that I've been watching the past week, some ups and some downs. Now, right off the bat, I'm going to say the second two films from the Welcome to Bloom House series, I wasn't too good. I wasn't a fan. Evil Eye, while granted everybody in the movie was gorgeous, I had no issues with the direction of the film up to the point where I kind of assumed there would be more confrontation from the mother coming to the aid of her daughter. Uh, But I just kind of felt that the film just stayed too fable-driven and remained flat. And once we got to the climax or the highlight and we found out what's going on with the water and being underneath, I, I just, I didn't really care anymore. Nocturne, kind of along the same route, man. Not a big fan anymore of the kind of like entitled white girl, black swan movies. They don't really do it for me. While the inclusion of the notebook was fun. And of course, as a child of anime, I really had a couple moments where my mind wondered on what more could come from this book. Predicting the future... Hooking up with the goofy biracial kid. So boring. So overdone. Um, but in all honesty, with like a film like this, I don't know what more they could have done. Now, I will give Nocturne a little bit more credit than Evil Eye because I enjoyed the simplicity and then kind of the delusion that our young lady was experiencing all the way up to the very, very good ending of the film. So while I wasn't a hundred percent pleased like I was with the first two films, black box and um, the lie, I will say at least with nocturne, It, it it almost made it worthwhile to see the ending. But more like, man, I wish somebody would just show me the ending, if you understand what I mean. All right. So two more movies will be dropped. There's a total of eight films. What? Two more. So four more movies. Where's the six? I don't know. I have to go back to that original. I believe it's eight films. 
So it should be two more sets of movies coming out. And we'll see how they do. We'll give you our thoughts. We'll let you know what we think. Um, the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Definitely something to check out um, once it's on demand and close to you. It is a late nighter. It's kind of keeping along this theme of drive-in movies, which I'll be honest with you, I don't know the foresight that the industry had, but pre-COVID, these movies were already in circulation and already being delivered to festivals. So the fact that it is more of a kind of drive-in late night movie vibe going on with most of the films and the festivals, super genre-induced, it almost makes it perfect that we are going to drive-ins to see these films really right now so that we may social distance. But Robert Forrester, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, yet annoying. But what's his name? Jeff Cunning, Cummings, the director. Why I enjoyed his gust, his movement <laughs> in the film. At times, it was kind of like, "Okay, man, I get it. You're, you, you're who you are." Yes, I understand. Hmm. So, the Wolf of Snow Hollow. I think people will get a kick out of it. Um, it is one of those werewolf movies that. You, you got to kind of remind yourself when people make werewolf movies, it's always what direction are they going to go? Are they going to be doing all CGI? Is going to be puppets? I think you'll be pleased with how you see they execute the werewolves. But once you see how it all goes down, you'll really, really understand what they're doing with it. So I enjoyed that. And I think people should check that out once it's available. Ropes is a movie... Um, that I feel is probably the must-see film out of all of the films I'm talking about today. Now, it does have another name, um, Prey. Um, but what the film does is it involves a young lady, um, and it's by Jose Luis Mostinos, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Involves a young lady who is confined to a wheelchair after a horrific accident that killed her mother and sister. Her father brings them back to their home, childhood home, uh, with some minor adjustments to the house to make sure that it's um, accessible for her in her new life with the wheelchair. She, he also got a service dog, and the service dog has little ropes tied to all the gadgets around the house to make sure that the dog can turn on everything for her. Long story short, they find a bat. It bites the dog. It's got rabies. It's trying to get back in the house. And it knows how to. And just everything imaginable. The worst of the worst that could happen to this young lady starts to happen into this lady with this damn dog trying to come in to eat her. 
And it's no joke, man. I was telling people when I was watching it, I was tweeting that finally someone is able to, when we're talking about legacy, like we were with the craft earlier, like continue on Cujo's legacy and man's best friend. And, you know, because there was also a time where we would have those films. Um, Showing like the domestic animals turning on their, you know, their captors or their their owners. So super, super excited for people to see that film and to hear their thoughts on that. And when you get a chance to see it, remember where you heard it first. Submissions to Slashers, that podcast, baby. All right. So uh, last but not least is the film Don't Look Back. We posted a review for that yesterday. Um, it is the movie that is from the creators, um, the Final Destination franchise. Jeffrey Reddick is the name of the director, and it involves a young lady and another group of people who witness this horrific crime of this man being beaten to death. And right after the funeral, they all start having strange things happen to them one by one. And, you know, it is out for people to see right now. So I'm not going to drop any spoilers or anything about it because it's going to be very accessible. I just want to let people know, similar to what I said in the review, if you saw the Final Destination movies and you enjoyed them, you should check it out. But if you didn't like the Final Destination movies, don't watch this. Because it's very, very similar to the Final Destination movies. Um, cast isn't terrible. It it kind of becomes a nice little what or who done it type of movie, hint hint. But other than that, um, I feel like it's just one of those movies that you would just kind of have on in the background during this time of year. And this time of year is Halloween. So I've been telling a couple embarrassing stories about Travis's life in Halloween. I told a story about when I was a little kid. Told a story about when I was in high school, just kind of getting out of high school. So I feel it's probably appropriate now to tell a Halloween story about when I was in college. Okay, so I used to model and there was a company here in St. Louis that would hire me to do, you know, shows, runway shows and um, go to parties wearing certain clothes and then doing certain photography, especially for like athletic gear and stuff like that. Amber Crombie, all types of stuff. So one of the guys that worked for the company, he was like the main talent scout. He lived right off of Pestalozzi. What up, St. Louis? Um, Right across the street from Tower Grove Park. I believe there's the Eagle Academy there right now. And he lived in this decked out like three-level spot over there and he had a Halloween party 
So I'm sitting there the whole entire time. And I'm thinking, what should I do? Do I go to this party in a costume because it's Halloween? Do I go to this party in, you know, some like dope ass like fly suit? Because, you know, this is the modeling world and I don't even know, like the girls might just be wearing like cat ears, but nobody's going to really be dressed up like hardcore. You know, what do I do? So I said, fuck it, man. I'm going to kind of do a combination of both. So I went out and I got this terrible brown, like polyester suit and this ugly ass blue, light blue, sky blue shirt. I feel like I still have that shirt to this day. And the suit was huge and the shirt had even a bigger collar. And I told everybody that I was a broke pimp because I figured, hey, if I do go to the party and people are kind of minimal and not really dressed up as much, I can just be like, yeah, you know, it's how I normally dress, right? But I'm going to a friend's Halloween party after this. I don't know. So... We get to the part. I get to the party, and it's completely the exact opposite of what I think. Everybody's got lavish, crazy costumes on, and I should have known better because my fucking boss was gay. So I should have known his house was going to be just filled with just beautiful queens and everybody running around just having a blast. And that's exactly what the fuck was going on. And of course, they loved me when I walked in and shots and everything else leading up to me making my way all the way back out to my apartment. So at that time, I was living in this little apartment building called the Meadows that's connected to the University of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it's a little, it's, it's, a, it's a school that's in uh, St. Louis off of a street called Natural Bridge. So I have no idea how I made it back. I know I was driving that night. <laughs> I had a car. That night, for sure. I hadn't moved out to California. I mean, this is still way before that. We were still in college. So I know I drove down there. And I know I drove back. And yes, the car was in the parking lot when I woke up. And I woke up pretty much on the front porch area of our apartment building. Except the only problem was it was in my apartment building. It was one of the neighbors and it was all the way on the other side of the complex. So I found out from other people that 
all I wanted to do was just go to sleep, right? So I was so trash that I just started walking through and people were in the little outdoor picnic area, like hanging out, playing sand volleyball and stuff like that. And I'm just walking through trash and everybody's calling my name like, hey, Travis, come get a drink, whatever. And somehow I convinced myself that this long ass walk was my apartment and it ended up being one of my homegirls' apartment. And look, I'm trying to tell you, I wasn't trying to go to get a booty call. I promise I was not trying to get a booty call. I thought I was at my place. But man, when I woke up, mm, way too much sugar in them drinks that night, brother. That's all I got to say. Right, folks. We are so happy you made the time to stop through and visit us here at the Submissions and Slashes podcast. Once again, we try to drop these every single time we get a chance on either a Friday, possibly earlier in the week. We'll try to give you two if it's at all possible. We got a lot of moving and shaking going on now that my boy got the kick that's heard from around the world. Definitely appreciate all the love everybody's been giving us. We'll have him on the podcast. He's already asked to be on here a couple times. I just let him know that we got to focus on these fights first, and then we'll get into this stuff after that because we always got room for that. Opportunities leads to greatness, folks. Don't ever forget that. So when you guys are out and you're making your way and you're carving your path, make sure you stay open to those opportunities that may come your way. Appreciate you guys checking me out. Listening to the Submission Slashers podcast, supporting that illustrious family known as Horror Movies Uncut. And we will see you next time. So hail and be well.